Welcome to another episode of the On The Clock NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Shannon, here with Damien and Eugene. How are you guys today? Oh, we doing good. We doing good. We got news. We got news. Big news. Got Damien looking like Shannon Sharp with the do-rig <laughs> and the red, the red cup. All right. Oh, he <laughs> needs the bottle. Where's the bottle? <laughs> I thought he was going to have that, too. Let me tell y'all something. I feel wonderful today, you know? I bet. Um, I, I, I feel like a new man today. Uh, my so week started we, I mean, off we, really well last night. Oh, we might as well get right into it then. Ain't even yeah, need yeah. to beat around a bush. No, not um, at all. So, yeah. so the news broke that Cam Newton signed with the New England Patriots. Um, because this is your team, Damien, I think you should start us off. So let us know what you think about um, mm-hmm. Cam Newton signing. Uh, so er, anybody, everybody knows me knows that. I love Cam. He's one of my favorite players ever since his days at you know in college. Uh, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of Cam. So this whole time we we talked about him kind of ad, ad nauseum at times, just about you know why is he still a free agent and what's going on and ridiculous comments from fans of other teams and how people perceive Cam. And this whole time, like Tom Brady is gone, I am not the Patriots fans. Like yeah, you know instead of I trust, <laughs> I'm not that guy. I am a realist, mm. and I understand that while Stidham has talent, Stidham also is unknown. Stidham has taken very few live NFL snaps against starting defenses. When he stepped mm-hmm. in last year, he threw a pick six, and he was pulled from the game in a blowout game <laughs> against the Jets. Oh, like wow. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to hear about preseason. Preseason, he was playing against guys that weren't even making teams. So, yeah, yeah. the windows are open. The, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, he's throwing to Demarius Thomas, who's a – multi-time pro bowler that's going up against a corner that's probably not in the league right now. So I I don't want to hear about his preseason. So when I got the news last night that Cam Newton signed with us, I was happy. I nearly lost my mind. I was just like, yo, this is the move. Because, no, don't get me wrong. I was perfectly fine starting Stidham and taking all the way to either Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, um, you know, Justin Fields, any of those guys. I was fine with that. But at the same time, like, having Cam Newton just gives us a total different dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. For a while, a lot of people really don't know this, but for a while, Belichick did want, I know everybody thinks that Belichick wanted to keep Jimmy Grant, Jimmy uh, G because of that whole ESPN article that still was not factual. Um, but what Belichick actually has wanted in his offense was a mobile quarterback. Now, I'm going to tell you, what, to me, what tipped the scale. In the, in the, we looked really good the first half of the season last year, and then you get to the second half. We played Mahomes, Watson, and Lamar Jackson. We lost all three. What do all three of them have in common? They're dual-threat type of guys. They have mobility. They can make things happen outside of the pocket. They can extend plays, all of that. Don't get me wrong. Like, Lamar Jackson wasn't lighting us up through the air. I don't think he tossed one pass over 20 yards. But it was his legs and, and the fear of the run game. Um, Deshaun Watson, he, he was making plays. Pat Mahomes was making plays, dotting the eyes on his pass. It was just frustrating because we couldn't, we couldn't defend that. So now you bring in a guy who's a former NFL MVP. He, is, he epitomizes dual threat. And... For me, I'm looking at this. I know everybody's asking, well, what about the weapons? Cam Newton is used to having a 6'3", 6'4", type of receivers with Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. Now he'll have the same thing when you look at Nikhil Harry. I expect Nikhil Harry. I know a lot of people are expecting Julian Elliman to be our number one. I'm thinking, and I'm leaning towards Nikhil Harry. I think that Cam Newton will find, once they get that camaraderie, that chemistry down, Cam Newton's going to look for him. Because he knows at the end of the day, I know how to put the ball up there where my receiver can go up and get the football. Um, and not even that, but if you go back to 20, 2015, 2015, 2016, Jericho Kachi, now he didn't have a 1,000 yards or anything, but Jericho Kachi kind of played, uh, Shannon, you don't know what I'm talking about with this, the Anquan Bolden role for the mm-hmm. Panthers. When Cam Newton got in trouble and he was looking for somebody to just be sure-handed, if it wasn't Greg Olson, he found Jericho Kachi. Somehow, Jericho Cotri, at the age of 35, was still getting open. I don't understand it. I don't know what was going on, uh, but he was open. And not even, when, even when he wasn't open, he was making contested catches. 
I look at Muhammad Sanu, big, physical, strong. He's healthy coming off of that, um, that the, I think it was the, the ankle or knee surgery that he had. So now he's coming, he's 100% healthy. He's coming into camp ready to rock and roll. He's a sure-handed guy too. He's not fast. He doesn't have, he doesn't run the best routes, but he's sure-handed. Strong hands, physical frame. Now you look at some of the guys that Belichick brought in, Jeff Thomas, Sean Riley, like we have Marquise Lee on, 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 on the, uh, in the receiving core. There's a little more athleticism. And Bucky Brooks from the, um, from the uh, Move the Six podcast always says, if, I'm gonna, if you want to build your receiving core, you want to build it like a basketball team. You want to have your big guys that can play above the rim, go get those rebounds. Then you want to have your shifty guys, your, shoot, your shooting guards, your point guards, the guys that can do a lot of the running, the moving, the motions. And I look at Jeff Thomas and Sean Riley, they can do those exact same things. Um, and J.J. Taylor, you know, from uh, Arizona brings in another explosive uh, aspect out of the backfield. We're going to see a lot of different things from the Patriots. You're going to see more shotgun, maybe some pistol. You're going to see the RPO. We could not run the RPO with, with Brady. That was not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, for what? Like, what are we selling here? Like, we're not about to... Like, dude, where are you running? <laughs> like, yeah, you we're, running not, we're not selling that. Like, no. So... You're going to see the read option. You're going to see the RPO. You may see some triple option. You may see some veer, some QB dives. You may see a lot of different things. But one thing about it, Cam Newton operates very well in a short to intermediate game. And if you give him a deep threat that can get over the top, he can't put the ball downfield. The main thing, Cam Newton, he's fighting himself. The battle coming into camp is not him versus Stidham. It's Cam versus himself. Can he stay healthy? Cam stays healthy. He is the QB one in New England, and I am extremely hype about it. What do you think, Eugene? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a game changer for New England because uh, before he signed, they were looking at possibly a rebuild or you know shifting the organizational philosophy, bringing in bringing in more talent, bringing in younger players. Now you got Cam on board. It's time to win. It's time. Mm-hmm. It's it's a. Uh, Bringing the veterans. If I'm if I'm if I'm the Patriots, I'm I'm giving AB a call because y'all in win now mode all of a sudden, mm-hmm. and and it's and it's realistic. They could walk away with this division again. Yeah, with, with Cam uh, at at with Cam at QB. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as far as the offense goes, he uh, he brings a different dynamic because of his mobility. Now all the plays where Tom Brady just threw the ball in the dirt, like oh okay that play is over. He, that play is over now. Cam can run and mm-hmm. buy time for these receivers to get open. These receivers, I mean, they don't have a ton of weapons, but now these receivers got more time to get open because Cam is going to make some moves in the backfield. He's going to give them some more time to come back to the ball, and he can uh, and he can get those big body receivers and he can get the ball to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, like Damian said in the RPO game, Cam is a real threat to run. And you can't have that defensive end crashing down, crashing down on the running back anymore because Cam can really get outside. So, so it opens up the passing game, and it's going to open up the running game as well because now all the defenses are focused on Cam. What's Cam going to do? We got to how are we going to defend that? They not they not paying attention to Sony Michelle. They're not paying attention to Nikhil Harry coming across mm-hmm. the middle or something like that. It opens up the playbook for uh, New England like they haven't had before. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, like, when we were talking about Cam before, we all, I think all of us agreed that New England would be a nice place for him to go. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like you said, Eugene, where it changes things dramatically now for the Patriots. Because before, I think we were all wondering, like, can they win this amount of game? Like, what, you know, what are they going to be? Um, yeah. now, it, it, now it looks like you look at it like winning this division is really, it's, it's doable. And it's, yeah. like what, it's like what Damian said as well. It's all about his health. Because as long as Cam is healthy, I don't have any doubt in my mind what type of player he is. Before his injury, he was playing at a better level than he did the year he won MVP. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing right now is his health. I was just having this conversation with my brother, like, because he was saying, I think he said something like, they might have a battle, they're going to battle it out. And I said, it's not going to battle. Like I said, as long as Cam is healthy, he's going to walk in that door and he's QB1. That's it, and that's all. And if if they got a battle... Then I now I got an issue with Bill Belichick. Like, what are you talking about? Battle for what? No, that's the only no, thing. That's no the only thing they. The only thing they got in common is the school they went to. Other right. than that, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. That's the only thing that they got in common. Yeah. 
The only battle is Cam versus his injury. That's it. Yeah. That's the battle right there. And he looks good. I mean, we, we all follow him on social media, I believe, or you've seen yeah. the different things mm-hmm. he posted. You can see that he looks good, his, you know, body-wise. Now you He's just want to see him doing too. some... Right. Now yeah. you just want to see him, you know, do some football activities and see how his body responds to that. But that chip, that's a different type of chip. You know, like, because yeah. you were yeah, almost yeah. counted out. And then to get a report to say that the, the Patriots were the only team that was interested in him. And now that's been refuted because Bleach Report just reported... The Browns also spoke to him as well. Uh, what? Yeah. The Browns? <laughs> yes, the Browns. Uh, Beach what? Report just reported at 541. The Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots were the only teams to talk to former MVP Cam Newton. What the hell? What are the, the Browns? What? Somebody, wait, wait, somebody wait, wait, find wait, Baker wait, for comment. Leave my guy Baker out of this. One of these days we had to have a conversation about Baker because there's some things that's been, that have been said this offseason. I'm like, are the Browns really that, you know, all in on Baker? Mm. You, wanted to, you wanted to bring in Cam? Like, I like Baker, but I like Cam too. You talk about a competition. No. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't, that, that that was, I don't think been. that was a... That's that would have been competition for sure. That's why I said I didn't want him to come here because he's going to push Lamar. Like that's a different type of that's different. Like no. Like, yeah, no, that's not that's like, not RG three. That, yeah. That's a right. That's this different. is a legit starting quarterback. Yeah. Right. Like, you, you don't, you don't, don't that's a real people, quarterback. Like well, I don't know why Cleveland would bring him in. Uh, I, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, I, I don't know. Like no. it's but that's, the Patriots. So this is my thing with you. I mean, yeah. does Bill Belichick get some points? He getting some cool points. No, no. Shout out to Belichick. Shout out to him for that. For making that move, um, and word is that they've they've been in discussion for quite some time. Uh, yeah. Bella, uh, Cam Newton had a physical done March 26th, um, and both sides, the doctor and the Panthers, both said that he was cleared, that he looked good, everything was clean. Uh, yeah, I follow him on I follow him on YouTube and on uh, YouTube, Twitter, and on Facebook, and just the same way I have so much love for Dwayne Haskins. I love to see when you know when players are counted out, players are talked down about, you know, given up on, and to see them take that and take that energy instead of you know because you know we've seen some players they complain about it to the media and they you know they tweet things there's you know passive aggressive you know Cam mm-hmm. Cam Newton said no no they 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 counted me out that's fine though they counted me out and, and, and I'm coming back same thing with Dwayne Haskins they're out there putting in the work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for me, um, I'm like I said, I'm I'm truly excited about it. Uh, one the one part that I think that really will elevate is the run game. Mm-hmm. As me, Eugene talked about with the RPO and the read option. I Sony Michelle is kind of a I don't know. He just had another surgery on his foot. Uh, he had the surgery mm-hmm. on his knee. You know, prior. Uh, you know, season before. I don't know if he's he's not I don't, he's not gonna I don't see him being here after year I don't I really don't see us picking up his option to be honest with you because he's a first round pick I think oh, yeah because right. yeah, this is going into his third year I think next year would be his last year on the Patriots uh, unless he bounces back and becomes somewhat of the guy you know if not even better that we saw his rookie year his rookie he was really good really reliable last year he was really dependent on the fullback. Damian Harris is the back that I think takes the next step with Cam Newton. Um, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, Damian Harris played with with Jalen Hurts. Uh, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, Sam, at Alabama, yeah. very similar type of offensive scheme with the read option, the RPOs, running from that shotgun. This is and that's something I've been wanting us to do for a while is to get lined up in the shotgun and run the ball, run that inside mm-hmm. zone, that outside mm-hmm. zone. But not, but it's the most of the fact that well. If they're in shotgun, now you could. I mean, most defense is like, oh, they're in shotgun. They got four wides, or they got three wides and tight end, one running back. They're throwing it. Now it, you can't say that. We spread them out. Yeah. We got a running back back there. This legitimately could be an inside zone, or it could be an RPO, which could turn to a slant, a quick post, whatever the case may be. It just it makes the offense thing. more unpredictable. Um, and that's going to cause a lot of problems for defense, especially, like I said, we get a healthy, like, full 16-game healthy Cam Newton. Cam no, oh, it's man. going to be a problem. That, those that's double-digit wins. Yeah, mm-hmm. those matchups against, I feel so much better going and facing Kansas City with Cam Newton over Jared Stidham. I feel yeah. better oh, playing the Seahawks and the Niners and the Ravens with Cam mm-hmm. Newton over Jared Stidham yeah. because mm-hmm, exactly. those are games where you're going to need to grind it out 
and, and put up points. The defense is going to be better. Uh, with the we'll talk about the additions we made during the draft. The defense will be better, and probably in my opinion, will be more suited for Kansas City and for for um, for the Ravens adding that speed oh, yeah. to our second level. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, I'm I'm really excited about this. Um, I the only thing I like I said, I'm really the, I'm I'm so I was, I just want to see the offense that McDaniel's cooks up for Cam. Especially considering this is a guy that would not go to Carolina because Cam Newton was there. How about that? Really? Uh-huh. How are you just going to throw that out there and just like, what? Seriously? Yeah. So how that's going to work up there? I, heck if I know, but I'm definitely down to see it. Yeah. That's, remember, remember yeah. we talked about it? Because I was like, how in the world could you draft Tim Tebow? Oh yeah, right, but, yeah. right, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Say, yeah. do you want to go play? You don't want to coach in Carolina because of Cam Newton? Because yeah, I was just sense. about to say, I'm yeah, I'm not trusting well, some. So I'm not trusting he, uh, his quarterback evaluation if he thought he attempts to go with your guy. Do, he, do Belichick and Josh McDaniels get along? I mean, I assume so. <laughs> this is this is this is purely a Belichick move. This is what Belichick. Is, that's wants. interesting yeah. to me. That's really really interesting. I mean, I, but I. No, but when you just said the whole Tim Tebow thing, I remember that we did have that conversation and you said that about Cam. But let me ask you guys this, because they mean you kind of touched on it and Eugene, you kind of explained why they could be better. Um, but I think it's a fair question to be addressed because we've seen people saying it already on social media. Um, Kevin Dukes is still, shout out to him, he's still in Facebook jail, so he can't comment, but he's been inboxing me, saying little stuff. And he inboxed me and said, um, I agree with Ryan. And I said, agree with Ryan about what? And he said, um, all last year, all we heard was Tom Brady don't have any help. He don't have no weapons. He left New England because he didn't have any weapons, blah, 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 blah. Now he has more weapons in Carolina. I mean, um, Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Now Cam Newton is in New England. Mm-hmm. So the way, the, what Kevin Dukes asked me was, is Cam Newton going to get that same, shall we say, excuse, built an excuse or reason, however you want to look at it, as Tom Brady? Because if Tom Brady had the same talent, and that was part of why he didn't want to be there. What's going to be said for Cam? What do you think, Eugene? Um, it's the, I mean, the lack of weapons is the lack of weapons. That's not going to change. But what they fail to realize is Cam Newton is a weapon himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to be able to do more than Tom Brady was able to do. Say, like, when the play breaks down or nobody could get open, Tom Brady couldn't do nothing but throw the ball away. Right. Now, Cam can turn around and run for five yards and, or he can buy some time in the pocket for the wide receivers to get open more. So it's going to be different for him because he's able to, his talent allows him to do things that Tom Brady couldn't do. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're still, they still have a lack of weapons there. They got some young guys that they still see, have to see how good they are. So the lack of weapons, that's still, that's still a thing, right. but Cam is going to be able to, to Cam is more in a position to do more with less than Tom Brady is at this point. At this in his age, career. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, what do you I, think, I, I agree with that as well. And then the, the the part that they have to comprehend as well. So Nikhil Harry was hurt for like the first nine weeks last year. He did mm-hmm. not get the chance to get that that camaraderie, that chemistry, that synergy with Tom Brady. He didn't have that. He got hurt, I think, in early camp or late camp, early preseason, he didn't have time to build that trust. One thing about Tom Brady, he don't trust you. He, he's not going to give you the ball. Um, I remember I made a post about that when I heard an analyst say that on TV, and I was like, mm-hmm. wow, I didn't know. Like, basically, the, the analyst was saying, like, it wasn't that it was a lack of weapons. It was more or less like, like lack of trust. And if Tom Brady doesn't trust you, he's not going to go back to you. Like, yeah. And I mean, that's why I made the yeah. post, and, and me, you, and Devin um, was talking about that on that post. And Devin and, said it was I mean, Tom Brady true, targeted him. Different. He targeted right. him. He just didn't come down with those targets. You know, right. that back that back shoulder throw, those 50-50 jump balls, that takes timing. Um, yeah. Brady, I mean, Brady targeted him. And uh, now, don't get me wrong. I can't remember if it was – I don't know if it was against the Texans, who we were playing. Tom Brady actually did throw a touchdown pass to him, and the refs ruled him out of bounds, but it was a clear touchdown. So mm-hmm. – mm. but one thing that Q Harry was doing, he was working with uh, the Footwork King, one of the best in the business. Um, if right. you go find him on Twitter. He works out with DBs. Uh, mm-hmm. I think linebackers, everybody, everybody, receivers. He works everybody out and helps them with their footwork. And he's really big on 
releasing from the from the line of scrimmage. Nikhil Harry knew he he's aware of where he struggled last year, not mm-hmm. being able to beat press coverage, not getting off of off of a press, and winning at the line of scrimmage, not being quick in and out of his breaks. He's been working on that all off season. So that's big. Jacoby Myers is kind of an enigma. He he played he he played solid, um, but he what was what was the problem with him was he was running the wrong routes, and that's when Brady was get you would see Brady get pissed off because. When you're supposed to run that deep end cut and you break it too soon or too late and that ball is supposed to – Brady's expecting you to be there. That's what that problem is. He was running the wrong routes. The timing wasn't there. Don't get me wrong. Our entire receiving core was really bad in, when it comes down to separation. The average yards per separation in the NFL, I think it's 2.4. Uh, all of our receivers were under two yards mm-hmm. per separation. That's terrible. That's terrible. Every single Julie, Julian Edelman included, because teams were like, "Well, there's no Gronk, there's no there's no deep threat. We're gonna take right. you away, and we're gonna make you earn everything." Julian right. Edelman had 13, maybe 14 drops last year. He said over, I think, close to 20 to 22 drops over the past two seasons. Yes, no. The question when it comes down to the weapons, it's a valid question, but like like Eugene said, Cam Newton's gonna be able to extend plays. Open mm-hmm. up different things. You, we see it. We call it backyard football. When things break down, you see a mobile quarterback. Yep. We see Pat Mahomes do it all the time. When all those guys it. are not open, he rolls out of the pocket. He he does a does a couple things in, in open field behind the line of scrimmage. He's running around, and then here comes Tyree Kill. He separates and he puts it on him. We see Cam right. Newton do it with, with Greg Olson and, and the rest. Of, Ted Ginn. Co- mm-hmm. Let me let me throw the name people don't know. Corey Philly Brown. Yeah, nobody knows who he was, yeah. but go back to 2015, he was mm-hmm. a reliable target for, for, for Cam Newton. Right. So, Cam, yes, the weapons, they were bad last year. They did not play Muhammad Sanu included. Muhammad Sanu came in. His first game was against your, against your Ravens, and I think he had almost 80 yards receiving. Then Bill Belichick thought it was a great idea to put him on at punt return, and then he has like a sprained ankle, a sprained knee, and he's not the same guy for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Now he's healthy, so it's 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 going to be the fact that it's not that the the weapons are exact; they're they're the same people, right? But it's right. more so health and getting better. These guys mm-hmm. have been working all off season, Julian Edelman included. He's been working on his hands and everything, his eye and hand coordination, his concentration. These guys have been working because at the end of the day, this is a championship organization. Anything less is a failure. Yeah. Edelman's a Super Bowl yeah. MVP. And he knew. Go back to that Tennessee Titans game. I alluded to it on social media. Key third down. Brady puts it on the money to Edelman for a first down. Edelman drops it. And Belichick punts the ball off. Mm-hmm. We lose. And that was when the game was still in striking distance. So it's like that. Yes. The, like I said, the weapons. And not even just that. We And we're going to talk about it. We added two talented tight ends in the draft. We brought mm-hmm. in some speedsters from college as well after the draft. So the weapons, the main weapons that everybody knows about, the face, those faces are the same. But there's some guys behind the scenes that you don't know about that can really mm-hmm. come in and be an impact on this team. Yeah, and you know what? With um, training camp being a couple of weeks away, if Cam wanted to, he could set something up where he can meet with the guys after like the 4th of July holiday mm-hmm. and just throw the ball around and get a little bit of chemistry that way because we see Tom Brady, he's been doing it with his receivers. So yeah. I, think, I think Cam could do that. Get, get some of them guys together right before they go to training camp. They can start building that. But wouldn't this be dope? As much as I wouldn't want it because it affects my Ravens. <laughs> but what if it was? What if it was a Patriots Tampa Bay Super Bowl? Wouldn't that oh, be crazy? Wow. I would love it. I would love imagine, it. Oh, imagine, imagine those storylines leading up. Oh, to that. Oh, I would love goodness. it. And I'm, I'm gonna yeah, throw like, out. I know that somebody brought it up on social media. I'm just gonna say, like, there's nothing I heard or anything. This is just this is my gut feeling a little bit. I would not sell. Antonio Brown short. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't listen. I'm not going to say don't. When I said don't listen, don't take everything you hear these reporters say to heart because a lot of reporters were reporting months ago the Patriots are sold on Jared Stidham. They're not bringing in. Well, I knew we weren't bringing in Andy Dalton um, because, I mean, we bring Andy Dalton. He's Andy it's Dalton. Still, yeah, he's Andy Dalton. It's still Jared Stidham's right. job. But one thing about it was everybody was like, yeah, no, the Patriots are sold on Jared Stidham. They're not bringing in no other quarterback. Everything's fine. Stidham, Hoyer, and um, I forget the young guy's name from uh, Louisiana Tech that we brought in. 
But I was just like, I don't, I don't see it. We'll see how we'll, we'll see what happens when we get closer to uh, training camp. Now mm-hmm. they're all backpedaling because now they said, oh, no, Brady's not. I mean, Belichick's not uh, interested in Cam, and it was a lot of talk from a lot of reporters. So yeah, you reporters may say, well, the, the Patriots are never going to give Antonio Brown a shot. But I just say keep that keep that bubble in your mind. Because one thing I do know is Cam Newton is really close to Antonio Brown as well. Um, the yes. two have worked out many, many times. They, they've been and it cool makes for, sense. Some, for some years. I so, think they should do it. They should definitely. I mean, I look like we, we talked about Antonio Brown last week and why, why we would have wouldn't want him on our team. With the yeah. Patriots, a conversation has to be had. Like, you can't ignore what he did and, you know, everything exactly. got cut. So he needs to man up and apologize, not a tweet. Not yeah. nothing that that's publicly. I mean, he. You. Mm-hmm. you I, I feel like Brandy apology. He. He's already apologized. Like, remember, he yeah. already apologized basically. But go to um, um Robert Kraft personally. Go to Bill Belichick. Yeah. I mean, you Bill Belichick personally because Bill wanted him. Yeah. I think, but Kraft said no because of what was. I mean, at that point, you really didn't know what was going to happen with AB after he sent that text message and that came out. Mm-hmm. But how he attacked, how he attacked Kraft after that was just so uncalled for. It reminds me of the Colin Kaepernick thing with our owner, Steve Bashotti. If Kaepernick wants an opportunity with the Ravens, a conversation would have to be had before that could even happen. Right. You know, and exactly. that's that's not, I mean, whether he want to apologize or not with AB, you definitely need to apologize. And to me, that yeah. makes perfect. I mean, even though I said I think going to Seattle would be good for him too, going to New England is even better because you're definitely the number one guy. And you're talking about opening things up. Immediately. Yeah. That would be he's gonna, He is going to take... And you think about the way that they, they would scheme these things up. He's going to take yeah. one or two guys with him downfield, and that All opens up Edelman yeah. underneath. That opens yeah. up Mohamed yeah. Sanu underneath. And then that gives Nikhil Harry one-on-one opportunities to mm-hmm. truly continue to grow, earn that trust with Cam Newton, make those plays, all of that. He could become the juju to Antonio Brown's. Uh, right. to Antonio Brown in New England. Yeah. So I, I just personally feel like, like you said, even if – even if you don't tell anybody in the media, you don't have to. But just have mm-hmm. that conversation in-house. Belichick yeah, and Kraft, mm-hmm. like, listen, if we can figure yeah. out and we need to talk to Roger Goodell, see what is going on with yeah. his status, All right. let's figure this out. Because if we really want to compete, improving our receiving core is mm-hmm. necessary. Now, like, I don't have 12 personnel a lot this year. You don't bring in Cam Newton to not want to – Exactly. Still, still contend, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. go get AB, and that sets it all off. And then oh yeah, and you, and you, y'all yeah, automatically and you, Super Bowl contenders again. Yeah, and you look at y'all defense. Y'all defense is already top notch. Yeah. Yeah. So right. all you need, and you, and now you got a legit quarterback. Why not add weapons? I mean, right. you could, you could, you can be, they can get themselves right back in the Super Bowl again. Yeah. Y'all know, I mean, and, y'all, and, y'all know, will be sick if that happened though. Oh. Ooh. Steelers fans, yeah. they would be They mean, well, you already got the number one hater. He don't care, really care about Cam, so he say. But yeah, he, uh, they would be hurt if AB came there, killed it, and y'all back in the AFC oh, championship. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm sick. pretty sure that we played them this year too. So think about yeah. the storyline. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we played them. So think about the storyline of Cam Newton and AB walking into Heinz Field or wherever we're playing. Mm-hmm. Against the Steelers, AB is going for two hundred that game. Oh, like, no, no. They don't have they don't have a, they don't have an answer for AB in, in on that team, man. Just throw him the ball. They gonna give him. They gonna put Minka on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good, good luck, luck with that. Good luck. <laughs> you better double team him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's play? it's a great thing. It's it's a. I'm pretty sure. I think we do. It's, it's see, I'm looking at the schedule now. It seems like we always find. It seems like we always find a way to play each other, so I'm pretty sure. No, y'all play not us. The, not the regular season, probably. Yeah, I don't see them in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't see them. I don't, I'm looking at their schedule. I don't see y'all on their schedule. That's why I thought we played them bums. Probably if we like, we I don't know how how the divisions are, but they might be playing um the Bills that they play some on y'all. Like we, I know we playing y'all. I don't know how we who we playing this year, but what uh. We played. I think we played the AFC. We played the NFC East. I know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't, but they don't play y'all. Y'all don't play. So oh, that has to be the playoffs. That sucks. No, they ain't happening. But no, they ain't gonna make it. I don't. I don't even write. I don't even. Nope. We're not even about to speak that into existence. No, they, they ain't making they, it. They ain't going to. Even if they get, like, even if they get ten wins, they ain't making. We ain't even gonna speak it into existence. We cutting but, that right now. Yeah, we cutting that. But let me tell you something. 
I'm so happy that Cam is in New England because I haven't seen Damien this excited in so long. Like what? when it when it came hey. when it when it came time to pick which which uh divisions we were gonna talk about, he didn't want to oh, talk about the AFC East at all. Right? <laughs> AFC East, we, right? we said we said like what last episode of AFC East was gonna be last yeah. and that's that's, oh, yeah, that's, we do one, that last. that's the one that we want to tune in because Damien might <laughs> so let's let's go on to the next thing. What is That's the AFC good. East? Because Dam- Damien said we're talking about the AFC East today. <laughs> well, it's, not like, like, it's all about the AFC East. Uh, <laughs> like, hey, guys, we can do AFC East now. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Hey. You're real excited. I got you. I mean, things change. I see. What they say? They say <laughs> as, the fact, as the facts change, as the facts change, our opinion change. So mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's roll with the AFC East. So as we usually do, we do be the best pick, most surprising pick, and then the biggest sleeper. Um, so Eugene, I'll start with you. Who was the best pick in the AFC East? Um, best pick in the AFC East, I would give to the Jets, and it's a it's a player that I really like. I I really think he can play, and he fell all the way to the third round. It's, uh, it's Ashton Davis, uh, safety mm. out of Cal. I think he's a really good player. Former track guy, um, uh, six one, two hundred pounds. He can really run, and I think I think he's a, he's a a good pick just because at the time I thought it was a great pick for them because I think he's the perfect complement to Jamal Adams. Mm-hmm. You put Jamal Adams down in the box, he can roam the deep middle of this of this other field and play that that free safety role. So I thought that was like a perfect fit there for the Jets, and it's like it was just a player that I like, and I was shocked that he came he fell all the way to the third round, but I think that was the best pick of the draft because I think I think he could be uh, with. Ashton Davis, and if they keep Jamal Adams and Marcus May, they could have a like a big nickel package and, and keep all three safeties on the field and have a whole lot of talent on the field. Hmm. And what do you think, Damian? Best pick of the AFC East? I mean, Eugene deferred from, but I'm not. Tua Tungvaluwa. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna call it like I see it. Tua Tungvaluwa mm-hmm. was the best pick in this. Best pick for the division. Um, the Dolphins have a talented offense. Uh, they, they got some receivers. They got a, a very slept-on tight end, underrated tight end, Mike Gusecki. Uh, they, you know, they just need a quarterback. And whether it's this year, I, I, don't, I, I don't want two of the play this year. I want to start next year. Let Ryan Fitzpatrick get all his magic out of the way. All right. of his magic yeah. and his tragicness, because you're going to have a mixed bag. Um, you're going to have a mixed bag of it, but... Let him do his thing this year, right? And then let Tua take over. I mean, if you want to let him play the last four games of the season because you know you're most likely going to be out of playoff contention, that's fine. Let him play right. the last four. Let him Devin, – uh, Devin Parker and, and – and, I mean, Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki and, and Matt Breed. Let him get that, that, that chemistry with all those guys and, you know, get some momentum going into 2021. But, yeah, I mean, Tua's like the, the team that needed a quarterback the most – outside of the Patriots, was the Dolphins. They've uh-huh. been searching for a quarterback for decades now. Ever and since Dan Marino. Dan Marino <laughs> Ever since Dan Marino. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, like they, now, thought they, had an, they thought they had an antenna hill. Yeah, I'm sorry they mm. thought that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Tennessee's going to learn real fast. Uh, so, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, like I said, you, you, you've been wanting and, and wishing and hoping and striving for a quarterback. Now you have such a talented quarterback, a RPO master, a short to an intermediate master. He can throw the ball deep downfield um, if necessary. He's an accurate passer, team leader. Mm-hmm. He gives them everything that they need for mm-hmm. their future and for their franchise. So I say Tua Tungvaluwa. Okay. And, Damian, who do you say was the most surprising pick in AFC East? Mm, most surprising? I would have to say I'll actually go to – my Patriots, second round, because we traded out of the first round, which, of course, ticked me off from the get-go. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, we're trading back? Right. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really happy with it. But, no, actually, I'm not going to go to the second round. No, I'm going to go to the third round. Pick uh-huh. 91, Devin Asi Asi. And yeah. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, they said tight end, and I'm like, Adam Troutman. And when I saw Devin, I see his name popped up. I was like, what is this? Um, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was quite disturbed for a little bit um, until it popped on the tape. I was actually watching some of his tape, uh, watching his tape against um, 
USC, uh, SoCal, last night. Uh, we had over, I think, over 130 yards against them. Devin CSC is a deceptively athletic tight end. 6'4", six, 6'5", yep. six, six, 257, um, strong frame. And he's a, he's a problem after the catch. So when so when I, you know, I'm happy with the pick. Granted, like I said, Adam Troutman was my tight end number one, and I'm pretty sure he was still available. So I really think we should have picked Adam Troutman. <laughs> so Devin the CSC was the most shocking pick to me because I was just like, wait, third round? I was like, whoa! Like, I I mean, don't get me wrong, um, Cole Commit went second round. We talked about how mm-hmm. disturbing that pick was, mm-hmm. but. This pick caught me off guard. I like I like the kid, but I just I would have preferred Adam Troutman. So this was probably the most doubt. Devin the CSC in the third round uh, was the most surprising pick to me. And what do you think, Eugene? Most surprising pick in the AFC East? I'm gonna stay with the Patriots because the most surprising pick is the one that wasn't made because the Patriots was sitting there at 23 and had a need at quarterback, and Jordan Love was sitting right there, and they said, "No, I'll pass. We're gonna trade down." So I, I I almost I was almost sure that Patriots was going to take Jordan Love, treat Jared, Jared Stidham like a like a stopgap type of quarterback while they while they develop Jordan Love, mm-hmm. but you know the hoodie had more had different plans. So I think I think that was the most surprising thing because you see a, a team with a clear need and with a pretty good player that's right there for them, but they still decide to go in a different direction. Hmm. Now, I was thinking somebody would have picked the kicker that um, New England drafted. Y'all weren't surprised oh, yeah. by that? He was like in the, what, fourth or fifth, fifth round or something round. like that? Fifth round. Fifth round. Yeah, I guess, no. like, the late, no, those late picks, you know. I was still surprised. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, see, this sounds like talking about this making you angry again or something. The whole energy is changed. You hit a nerve. Right, he like, he like um, trying to be nice today. Like, uh, like uh, it was, you know, I'm trying to turn over, you know, a leaf. I'm trying to turn right, over. I mean, I was, you wanted the was, AFC East today. I did. Right, I, I did. Yeah, I mean, so I'm good with it. So, Eugene, what about the biggest sleeper in AFC East? What do you think? Um, I, I'm going to go to the Jets. Uh, they In the third round, they got a guy, Jabari Zuniga. I think he's an excellent pass rusher. Um, this guy, 264 pounds, and ran a 4.6 at the combine. I think he was the fastest uh, 40 at the D lineman. But I mean, the 40 ain't important, but it was a 10 yard split. He showed like tremendous explosion. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be an excellent pass rusher for the Jets. Whether he's putting his hand in the dirt or they can stand him up in a 3-4, I think he's going to make an impact year once. So I think he was one of the uh, one of the sleeper picks. And what about you, Damian? Biggest sleeper of the AFC East? Uh, I'm, you know, some people don't. Some people may disagree and say he's not a sleeper, but I'm going Gabriel Davis, fourth round with the Buffalo Bills. I know everybody knows John Brown and knows Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley um, will, will be the top three receivers. But mm-hmm. like I kept saying all off season, when it came down to not just Lamar Jackson, but also Josh Allen, give them a six three target that can get down get that mm-hmm. catch raise, that area code guy. And the Buffalo Bills, listen, your Ravens took some midgets. And I still don't understand that. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is, look at that Gabriel Davis. Not, I mean, they, they, they went and got Isaiah Hodgins in like the sixth round too. But Gabriel Davis is known for getting downfield, being the field stretcher. He's not the, he's not the fastest guy, right? So, but at the same time, he knows how to win downfield. He can go up and get the ball. He has a really good catch radius and a really good feel. Um, and, you know, one thing, you, when you see guys, uh, those, those deep passes, Cornerbacks panic, and sometimes receivers panic. Gabriel Davis is not that guy. And one of the areas of concern with Josh Allen was the fact that he could not get, like when he threw the ball downfield, he just couldn't connect a a whole lot down the numbers. So now you have a guy that you can just, instead of throwing that heat-seeking missile, you just launch it up there, throw it up, throw that rainbow, get put some touch on it, and let him go get it. Let him go get the football. I think he could carve out a role really nice, especially in the red zone too. In the red zone, throwing that fade route, throwing those those slants, different things like that. Let him be that power forward for for Josh Allen, and, and help him in that regard. 
Uh, so because you don't have you don't want to have to keep running him and making him take those hits. You want to give him yeah. as many options receiving the football as possible. So Gabriel Davis is a sleeper for me. Cool. Um, now we'll move on to talking about each individual team and the draft pick they made and what you guys think about them. And then I'll rank each team based on what you guys say. Now, and I was looking at their record last year. That, that Y'all division was a little bit more competitive than people might have thought that they were. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Jets were quiet 7-9. and nine. Yep. Um, the Dolphins looked like they ended the season on a two-game win streak. I mean, they started playing hard towards the end of the season, and now yeah. when you add when you add Cam, like we said earlier, that that even changes how people are going to perceive the Patriots. You know, like before we were giving the division to the Bills, I think now it's actually a conversation. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we'll start at the bottom with the Dolphins. Damian, what did you think about the Dolphins and their draft? I love the Dolphins draft for the most part. Like I said, getting Tua Tagovailoa, they had three first round picks. Uh, they got Tua. They got him a blindside protector in Austin Jackson from USC who will be a year removed from the bone marrow surgery he had last offseason um, to help save his sister's life. It took a lot of his strength and, and athletic, it, just a lot of him out, uh, took a lot out of him. So now he's a year removed from that, uh, 100% really, uh, recovered from it. Uh, third, their, their third first-round pick was Noah Igbenani. Good, they need a slot receiver. They have two booking, like, yeah. like slot, slot corner. They have two booking corners on the, on, the, on the boundary with Byron Jones and Xavier mm-hmm. Howard. They went and got themselves one of the better slot corners in this draft, so that was that was a, that was a good move. Um, second round, they went, I think it's that second round, yeah, they went and got Robert Hunt uh, who could play tackle and guard at Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Rock, Raquan Davidson come in and kick in um, on the interior D-line with Christian Wilkins. Uh, Solomon Kin- Kinley, a big physical uh, guard from Georgia. Curtis Weaver was one of my favorite pass rushers in this draft. He, like I said, he's not a body, he's not a body beautiful guy. He's not he's not built like Adonis, but he knows how to get it done. He has a quick first step as well. Um, and, and you know everything else was they got Malcolm Perry, uh, wide receiver, quarterback from Navy in the seventh round. But for the most part, I really enjoyed their draft. They like I said, they use uh, Jason Strobridge is, is another sleeper to look forward to if he can make if he can make the team out of the fifth round off of the, the from he's a DM from North Carolina. I think he could play inside and rush the passer from the interior as well. Uh, Brandon Jones, their safety that they got in the third round. They just they added a lot of talent. Um, of course, we're not going to. I don't think we'll see the fruits of their labor in 2020. I think we start seeing it in 2021. But right. I, I believe they took they took three offensive linemen. They would they knew. Okay, we need yep. to upgrade our quarterback position, which they did that. And need to upgrade our offensive line. They did that as well. And anytime you can upgrade the two, honestly, the two most important positions on any team, you get a win. You get a dub from me. So shout out to them. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you think, Eugene, about the Dolphins train? Yeah, I mean, I think they had an excellent draft. I mean, Tua speaks for itself. I thought I thought Tua was the best quarterback in this draft, and um, they got him at uh, pick number five. So that's their guy for going forward. And then what they did right there, what was smart with that, they protected him. Uh, Austin Jackson in the first round. Robert Hunt, I think I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he just needed uh, time to get his strength back, like Damian said. Um and and the thing is, they they got so big on the trenches. Like uh, Austin Jackson, six five, three twenty. Robert Hunt, six five, three twenty. And uh, on the defensive side, Raekwon Davis, six foot six, three eleven. Like they got a lot of big bodies. Mm-hmm. And even like Jason Strobridge, he can play an edge or inside. He's a big kid at two seventy five. I mean, your lightest kid is your edge rusher Curtis Weaver at two sixty five. So they got a lot of athleticism and they got a lot of size in the trenches. And then to get uh, Noah Igbenogany in the uh, at uh, pick thirty, with him, you can tell they're just going to do man coverage all day and dare you to beat him because you got your two guys on the outside that can play man coverage. Now you got Noah Igbenogany. He's not uh, he's not as skilled yet as the other guys, but he's an athlete. He's a former wide receiver, so he's new to the cornerback position. But if you tell him go wherever this guy goes and make sure he doesn't catch the ball. He can do that with no problem. So they so they got three corners. They can line up and play man coverage on you all day long. Mm-hmm. So, like, what I see now is they're building, they're building a foundation for what they want to do in the future. A lot of these guys, they're going to get a lot of production from these guys uh, year one. It's not going to be all great. They, they're going to have their growing pains, but you see year two, year three, 
these guys are going to be, uh, you know, going to be mainstays on their team. Yeah. And Eugene, what did you think about the Jets and their draft picks? Yeah, I like the Jets draft a lot. Um, they they got a lot of players that I that I uh, that I had my eye on. Um, they got the you know they got a huge offensive lineman in the first round with my guy Beckett, six foot seven, three sixty four. Um, I'm wondering whether they might want to have him come down on that weight because that's a three sixty four for offensive lineman. That's a lot, but he but he he can still move though. He's an athlete at that size. He can still move, but I worry about his actual health at that size. Then you get um. Denzel Mims and like I said, Ashton Davis in the third round. You got you got you got a big uh receiver in Mims. You got it you pair him with the kid that they signed from uh Tampa Bay. You got two big fast wide receivers on the outside. So that's a big uh that's a good target for Sam Darnold. And then you got the guy Jabari Zuniga, who I thought was a sleeper in his draft. He's an excellent pass rusher. Um uh, LaMichael P. Ryan. Um, he is a very solid player. He's not going to wow you with athleticism or nothing like that, but he gets the job done. He's a running back out of Florida. He could get some snaps uh, going forward because he's just a solid player. He's, he's a tough guy. Uh, he, he he's I think he's got a future in the NFL. Then you get your backup quarterback in the fourth round with James Morgan. A really a real steal in this draft is getting Bryce Hall, I think, in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. He's a cornerback. I had him rated as my like as a top three cornerback in the 2019 draft that he came out, but uh, he decided to come back. And this year he uh, had an ankle injury, so he wasn't able to work out for team. wasn't wasn't able to do the combine or anything like that. I think he can uh, develop into a starter at cornerback or free safety. But mm. I think I think he's a steal in the fifth round. Mm. And Damian, what did you think about the Jets and their draft? Uh, I think they did well. Um, like I said, getting Makai back to ensuring up that offensive line something they needed to complete because they did they did a couple things on the offensive line in the in, through free agency and everything. So they did a good job uh, kind of re-upping and uh, pro- trying to make sure they protect Sam Donald, but also open running lanes um, for Le- Le'Veon Bell. You pay him a lot of money. You cannot have him not have at least one single 100-yard rushing game in 2020. That should not be right. the case. Uh, Denzel Mims, big long target um you know in the receiving game he ran i think he ran he ran faster in the 40 than he plays his play time doesn't match what we saw at the, at the combine but again he still is a he can be a deep threat he can go out there and catch the ball um a little bit different than what sam donald has been used to having jameson crowder and robbie anderson but now having that six foot four six foot five option then having Brashad Perriman was big. Is, was big. Uh, like Eugene talked about Ashton Davis, he's a he's a legit speed track guy at safety, and he has a lot of range. So I, I'm I'm intrigued to see how they use him. Uh, Jabari Zaniga is a good pick. I really like Michael Michael Piran. I think he's somebody that if Le'Veon Bell starts to struggle or continues to struggle. Out, you know, especially if he goes a couple games and he's still struggling to get going. I think we start to see them kind of phase in LaMichael P. Ryan. He has more juice, more explosion, uh, and a more more decisive runner. Le'Veon Bell mm-hmm. does tend to dance, look for holes, and, you know, they call it patience. It's only patient when your offensive line is blocking well for you. Um, right. James right. Morgan. <laughs> James Morgan is a big-arm quarterback from Florida International. Um at the end of the day, Sam Donald, he had mono last year. Like you said, he they were quiet seven and nine. If he yeah. he missed like three games, they could have possibly made the playoffs for all we know. Yeah. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? So like, but the fact of the matter is their backup QB position or spot and status last year was really bad. So now you bring mm-hmm. in a guy that could that you can mold to be your backup. So if something happens to Sam Donald, God forbid, he can step in and you can't, you know, you can at least keep going. Uh, and like like Eugene said, Bryce Hall. Uh, we, you know, before he, before he got hurt, he was one of the best uh, corners in this draft. The knee injury and everything dropped him down, uh, but I think he's a he's a steal in the fifth round. I mean, you didn't mention my quarterback when you talked about their backup quarterback. Like, don't be disrespectful. Oh wait, I Joe forgot Flacco. about Joe Flacco. Don't don't do that. Yeah, he's still Jesus there. Hey, listen, <laughs> Joe Flacco don't, was just chicken. Don't do that. Yeah, he's, not, he's not working. <laughs> he's just like, let's not but, let's call it what it is. <laughs> Joe Flacco's not looking about. Uh, I mean, I got kids and a lot of them, so um, I'm gonna make sure that I make as much money as possible. Uh, shout out to Joe Flacco, though, man. Super Bowl mm-hmm. Shout out to Joe Flacco. Now, Damian, what did you think make about that money? Why you can't? What did you think exactly. about the Bills and their draft, Damian? 
So looking at the Bills, the Bills draft, uh, they, they did pretty well. They, I was really, like, I'm surprised he fell as far, but A.J. Epinesa in the second round, mm-hmm. of course, you can, if you want to count Stephon Diggs as their first-round mm-hmm. pick, go right ahead. I would not blame you because that's what they use their first-round pick on. Getting mm-hmm. Zach Moss yeah. to uh, solidify their running back room with um, with Devin Singletary was big because Zach Moss is a powerful, heavy-hitter type of running back. Uh, will kill you between the tackles, but even though he's a big uh, bruiser, he's got soft hands. He can catch the football in the backfield. Uh, like I said, talked about Gabriel Davis earlier. I'm going to skip over Jake Fromm. Um, uh, and, and, and any other day I might have told you, don't do that, but not today. Yeah, no, I'm not, even, <laughs> listen, I'm going to keep it a bean. Even if he didn't make the, the text, didn't send those texts, he still wasn't a good player to me, so I was going to skip over him anyway. Um, yeah, but, I would, but I wouldn't have let you do that. <laughs> I was going to skip over him anyway. Like, from? I'm like, okay. Um, sixth round, like I said, Isaiah Hodgins, another kind of you know longer target. He's going to be that kind of chain mover. He doesn't have the deep speed to get over the top of defenses. And getting Dan Jackson to add to that cornerback room, just continue to, to add bodies on defense is, is always been. Dane Jackson is a solid player. So they did they did pretty well. They, I give him a, a good grade. Uh, if I was a grade, I'd give him like a B minus. Um, they like I said, they did well. I wanted to see them upgrade the O line a little bit more because Josh Allen was sacked almost forty times last year and yeah. hit the the pressure rate. He was under pressure, I think almost forty percent of his snaps of his dropbacks. That's that's unacceptable. You gotta you gotta protect Regardless of how you may feel about Josh Allen's accuracy, which, to be to be fair, he also had yeah, he's hit or miss, but he also had about thirty one drops last year too. So yeah. you look at you know if we really are are looking at everything, like they could improve. Which they improved our the wide receiver position. They just should have taken the offensive lineman just to continue to improve the depth and because you, you want to put the best possible five. So um, I would have taken a tackle, honestly, that I could have developed pretty quickly or uh, quick enough, and I would have kicked Cody Ford inside that guard. I think Cody Ford could be an all-pro guard. Oh, yeah. And Eugene, what did you think about the Bills and their drink? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't bad. Um, uh, A.J. Epinesa, I thought, was a first-round first caliber talent. They wound up getting him at fifty four in the second round. So he's a guy. He's not your 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 typical speed rusher, but he's a big kid. He he he's got a power game. So they can they can slide him inside if they want to do a NASCAR package, have him rush from the inside, or they can keep him on the outside and have him rush collapse the pocket from the outside. Um, they got uh, Zach Moss uh, giving them a thunder and lightning combination with Devin Singletary. Zach Moss is just he, you know he's just one of those tough, hard nosed runners, which which probably is going to play well over there in Buffalo. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be an excellent running back converse, uh, combination. Uh, with Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis and um, their wide receiver they drafted in the sixth round, Isaiah Hodge, you got two big kids with uh, with a really big catch radius. So they're going to be a bigger target for for uh, for Josh Allen. So, so when he does just throw the ball up and maybe he may not be the most accurate pass that he throws, these guys can still come up and get the ball. They're going to make a play for their quarterback. So they added a whole lot of size at uh, wide receiver. Um, then they uh, they drafted a, a candy arm quarterback in the fifth round, and then they got um, <laughs> then they got uh, they got Dane Jackson in the seventh round, which I thought was a steal. Dane Jackson, he's may he may not be the most physically gifted guy, but he's a fighter. Uh, you saw him at the Senior Bowl uh, against all of them top level wide receivers. He lined up against all of them in man coverage, and he gave him a battle uh, each and every time. Um, he won some, he lost some, but he's a fighter at the cornerback position. So at very at the very worst, he's going to provide uh, quality depth. But overall, they they did all right uh, with their draft. They added a whole lot of, from what I'm seeing, they added a whole lot of size and physicality with their draft. Mm-hmm. And um, Eugene, what did you think about the Patriots and their draft? Uh, Patriots, they had an interesting draft because they didn't go where you typically would think that they uh, went, but they got they got so much more athletic on the defensive end, which they needed to do with uh, Kyle Duggar and Josh Uche. I mean, with a with a with a defensive mind like Bill Belichick, he's going to be able to use those guys like almost like they're interchangeable. You want to put one at safety, you want to put them one at outside linebacker. 
and then you want to switch it up depending on formation of scheme. You can have either both Kyle Duggar or Josh Uche either rush the passer or covering the tight end out of covering the tight end or covering a running back out of the backfield. They're both uh, have both have good size and both are very fast. So you get, that gives you a whole bunch of options on the defensive side of the ball. Already on a defense where coverage is not a problem because they can cover, so you can do a whole lot of you can do a whole lot of stuff with those two athletes right there. Mm-hmm. And you got uh, Anthony Jennings, um, another one. He put him on the edge, have him play linebacker, have him running off the edge. He's, he just gives you more athleticism. Um, uh, yeah, underrated kid in Devin Asiasi. He can uh, his main strength is running after the catch. Um, you get you scheme him open. You get him. Uh, you get the ball in his hands. He's gonna get you extra yards after the catch. So he's gonna. Um, I, I assume uh, the Patriots are aiming to go back to that two tight end formation. So with him and uh, Dalton Keene on it, you got two talented tight ends right there. So all they need is time to develop with uh, Cam Newton, and you've got some depth on the offensive line with uh, Michael on on Minu. He's a big kid at 344, so you've got some power in the middle. They're probably going to put him at guard. And then uh, you double down with uh, Justin Haran in the sixth round. More more depth on the inside, on the interior. And then you just got a linebacker at – I mean, linebacker depth in the sixth round, and you got, you got another offensive line in the seventh round. So pretty much you add in a whole bunch of depth, and one of those guys is going to pan out to be a player for you. So you, you, you strengthen your interior of your offensive line, and then you you add on to a strength that was your defense. You just make it a little bit more dynamic. Uh, but the main thing with them is they added uh, more athleticism and more speed to the defense. Mm-hmm. And, Damian, what did you think about your Patriots in the draft? Uh, like, you know, like, like Eugene said, they brought up a lot of good points. One of the main things Belichick has always struggled with was putting speed in the front seven. Um, so getting Kyle Duggar, who's going to be kind of that hybrid, you know, what we see from a lot of safeties coming down, playing in the box, playing in coverage, all of that. He's an extreme athlete. Um, so being able to have Belichick coach him up is going to be big. Josh Uche can cover for a linebacker, but he also is bendy and quick off the line of scrimmage and pat in pass rushing situations. Anthony Jennings is kind of when I see him, I think of like Dante Hightower 2.0, but instead he just needs to play strictly downhill. You can't drop him in coverage. You want him to shut shut the rush rush down on the on the on the edge, set the edge, and then you can possibly try and move him around, kick him inside to get. Uh, a matchup for pass rushing situations. And, of course, I already talked about Devin at CSC uh, um, at the tight end spot. But Dalton Keene, went back and looked at Dalton Keene's film. I like the Dalton Keene move. He is a H-back, tight end, fullback. He can do all of it. Strong hands, uh, a physical guy, hard work. Uh, what we always say, you know, hard hat, lunch pail type of guy. Um, mm-hmm. The kicker is the kicker. Um, we, need a, we need a new kicker because uh, – I'm pretty sure we released our long-term kicker. He was, uh, missed a lot of kicks, so I'm I'm fine with that. Um, you know, and then getting the the offensive line depth, uh, we selected three offensive linemen. Just, I really wish we still had Dante Scarnecchia because that would have been so great to have him to help develop these young guys. But we'll see how that turns out. The uh, the Malu- Maluia pick. Linebacker Wyoming, he can cover. I'm not sure how well he is against the run, but I saw some stats about him in coverage. And he's good in coverage, and that's always good because at the end of the day, going up against these running backs and these tight ends, you need to be able to drop into coverage and have guys that can move. Dante Hightower cannot move. We cannot constantly have him out there against these running backs and, and these tight ends. So overall, the, the the draft was pretty good. Like you know. Addressing the defensive needs and adding the the athleticism on the front front seven was great. And then getting two uh, tight ends. I know a lot of people are expecting Matt Lacoste to be tight end one. I do. I I don't think it will last unless he produces. I think if he if he comes out the first couple of weeks and he's not, if he does win the job in camp and he's not ready and he's not producing, he's not making plays. I I expect Devin CSC and Dalton King to jump into the starting lineup and possibly see a lot more 12 personnel than uh than, than people expect. Mm. 
Well, I think the AFC East, as I said um, earlier, is going to be a, another good division to watch. Um, I think now it's going to be even more competitive than people probably thought um, with the addition of Cam Newton in addition with all of the um, draft picks. But let me, let me ask you guys this. I mean, the Dolphins won five games last year. So how many games would they have to win for you to feel like they had a successful season? Damien, what do you think? For the Patriots? No, for the Dolphins. For the, Dol- for the Dolphins. Um, mm. It depends. Um, it depends if they, like they if won. They, they won. If they won. They went five and eleven last year. So if they mm-hmm. went five games again. But you see something different. Can you say that that was success? Because you can see what they're trying to do, or do they need to win more than five games for you to consider that to be success? If they it de- so if they don't play Tua right, and they say they win five games, but say they're really competitive, they're one of those teams that say they lose four games by seven total points. That's still mm-hmm. successful to me because. You were there with a quarterback that you don't even view as your long-term option, right? Um, right. And, and of course, it depends on how many games does uh, Tua play. So no, yeah, like five, five or more games to me is still successful because you don't like the expectations are still low because mm-hmm. they're they're an extremely young team now. You know, we talked about their draft. They drafted a lot of players that they expect to be contributors, but at the same time, they're all most all of them are rookies. So it's like. Right. You're going, to, you know, you have to go on, you're going to go through those growing pains with them, um, but yeah, I, I think five to six wins is still a successful season for a team that so is just getting that is so young and just getting their feet wet. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Eugene? Um, if if Tua plays the whole season, start to finish, um, they can go three and thirteen, and I'll still think it's a improvement because if the quality of the play on the field looks good, if it looks like if it looks like Tua can play and it looks like they have the right scheme and they're going in the right direction, then, um, yeah, then they can put up whatever uh, wins. But if, say, like Tua plays like half the year and all of that, then honestly, honestly, all those – I think you only start counting wins with the Dolphins until Tua plays. Any, mm-hmm. any, anything else, you're wasting time because cause he is your future. He's your guy. That's where – that's what you're building your franchise around. So you start you start counting wins when he plays. Uh-huh. But, I mean, all in all, it's about, for me, it's about uh, the level of play on the field. If they look a whole lot better than they did last year, then I'll say, okay, they, they've improved. They can, I mean, they can have a, less of a win total because it's going to take time for them to figure everything out. But if they, if they play on the field and improves, then, um, then I'm good with that. Yeah. So, this this uh, division is one of the ones where I'm like, you know how we say, like, everybody had a good draft or a decent enough draft, so it's hard to really say. I feel mm-hmm. like I need to make that disclaimer again because it's not like one is so much more better than the other, but for the purposes of our podcast, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm putting Do- the Dolphins number one. Um, one reason is because they had so many draft picks. Um, before the draft, we talked about what they needed to do. And I feel like they did exactly what we were saying that they needed to do. They hit on almost everything. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to put the Dolphins number one. Um, I want to see, this is where it gets tricky for me with number two, because I want to put the Patriots number two, but then the reason that I'm not putting the Bills above the Jets is because they didn't have a first round pick. So what I'm going to do is this, and I'm basing this solely on not picking in the first round. So I'm going to do Dolphins, Jets, and then I'm flipping a coin with the Patriots and the Bills. They can be three or four or four, you know, however you want. Because it's like, I really, like I said, with this divi- with this division, nobody really, it wasn't, I can't really rank them like that, like to say one was so much better than the other. So if those is like a coin flip, either one can be three or four to me. Yeah. So that's Dolphins, say, Jets, Patriots, Bills. Yeah. I would say, I mean, Dolphins and Jets one and two, simply because of the talent that they brought in. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, three, four, either Patriots or the Bills. I would say probably Patriots next, then Bills, because the Patriots brought in uh, guys that are going to they got they brought in some athletes that's going to help an already good unit. Right. Like basically, I'm looking at the first two picks with the Patriots, and I think they're going to make a huge difference. While the Bills, they did get uh, a lot more size. On the offensive end, I mean, the best pick of their draft was in the first round getting uh, Stephon Diggs. Right. <laughs> right. 
Uh, well, that's the show for this week. So, Damien, how you feeling? We at the end. You good? You still you straight? You with us? Oh, yeah. No, I'm still. You got your, <laughs> Listen, got your got rig. Your, uh, right. Yeah, I still got my red solo. Now. It's like, here. Red solo is still here. Um, I got a refill, actually. <laughs> nah, yeah, no. I, I, st- I feel good. Like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely uh, just excited about the season. Um, ready to see Cam. And that, and that, and that, you know, red, that blue and white. I want to see Cam kind of do. You getting the Cam jersey? Oh, definitely. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh. listen, I've I've traveled from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to Spartanburg the past two three years to see Cam Newton. Wow. At training camp, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't care about. I mean, not saying I didn't care about anybody else. The Panthers not my team, but Cam Newton was right. one of my favorite players. So I traveled that far just to see him and, and, and watch mm-hmm. him work. And see how you know, just kind of how he handles the game at training camp and everything. It was always a great experience. Um, mm-hmm. So now to have that guy represent my team, be my quarterback, um, I think it's like I said, it's big, it's huge. I can't wait to see it. Um, and I hope we can get Antonio Brown. Well, he needs to apologize first and don't tweet about it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, that, but that's our show for this week. So uh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen over the next week with football because I wasn't expecting that Cam gone. So maybe mm-hmm. next week, next week, maybe we talk about AB. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Until next time. Bye, guys. Catch y'all later. Show.